Hello and welcome back to another episode of That Which Does Not Kill Us. I'm your host, Sarah Arnold, and I've been continuing to read my book. So obviously this is going to be a hot topic for a minute because I keep coming across interesting snippets that I want to touch on in episodes. And so um, I'm still talking from the chapter where I had touched on in the previous episode regarding validation. Now, um, I came across a page where it's discussing emotional invalidation. And so I'm going to read a little part of that for a moment, and then I'm going to touch on it a little bit. But um, it says, imagine feeling alone, being physically and emotionally unwell, and desperately seeking validation. Imagine being in a relationship or cluster of relationships that are not only dissatisfying, but are literally making you sick. Now add to this being met with invalidation when you seek validation. Instead of a soft, warm, kind expression of acceptance, you receive a chilly and distant rebuff. The very act of being invalidated can, by itself, feel traumatizing. And so, like, reading this, it kind of struck a nerve uh, a little bit because um, one of the things that I'm starting to realize, like, yay, <laughs> my uh, healing journey is giving me amazing bits of vernacular so I can describe what I'm feeling better than what I could before. Um, like, I know that sounds really fucked up, but the biggest takeaway for me right now and it, I feel like this has just been evolving over time, is being able to thoroughly articulate exactly what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling that. Um, yeah, and so um, one of the things that um, I have recently experienced is, um, is a form of invalidation, is basically having, having my bids for connection um, ignored and dismissed and for those of you just now joining I don't know if you're aware of this or not but essentially speaking where attachment wounds stem from is that exact you know it's it basically stems it starts you know very early on and there's circumstances not dissimilar that you're experiencing with your primary caregiver or caregivers when you're very small and cannot take care of yourself and that's essentially like done and done that is attachment wounds um and that's what leads to you know the different um insecure attachment styles it's basically like how your body like it, it's essentially like having your fight or flight response activated as an infant you know <laughs> and so that's that's where the pattern starts getting established is very 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 early on and so um yeah, um, those who are avoidant shut down. Um, basically, they shut down their feelings. Those who are anxious, like, they, you know, increase, like, their feelings, like, increase. And then the fearful avoidant is kind of like a, somebody that vacillates from one to the other um, in terms of how that is exhibited outwardly. Um, inwardly, basically they are feeling not dissimilar to how they are 
conveying outwardly and so yeah like that's really interesting to kind of see and the more of an understanding I feel like I have on these topics the more mindful I'm trying to be about the people that I engage with in my daily life and how the people that I engage with are impacting this because at the end of the day where that comes from is it's your your nervous system um so basically attachment trauma it's like it's having your nervous system activated you know through your fight or flight response and so yeah fun fact um anyhow so here we're going to get into some of the examples um that they have listed for forms of emotional invalidation um, so here, the first one says, people assuming they know what we are thinking and feeling. People don't take the time to ask what we are feeling or how an experience has impacted us. Someone might say, I know how you feel about your mother. And now I'm going to go on this one for a second. Um, I think to some degree or another, this is something I have been guilty of. But what I would go so far as to say is I don't think it comes out all the time in communication but it definitely resides in my head where um i i can tell you 100 percent factually i have made a lot of assumptions about knowing how somebody is feeling or you know what i mean thinking i know how somebody is feeling um when i am engaging and interacting with them now um I try not to project that energy onto others, but to be fair, I feel like what I tend to be guilty of more often than not when it comes to projecting is projecting my own feelings onto others. And getting in the habit of not doing that is not an easy task. Um, just gonna throw that out there right now. Um, yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I feel like the most specific example that comes to mind is um, early on when I was seeing the guy in Charleston, I got a feeling like, I don't know, like I, I got a really strange feeling like there was an energy shift in the connection. I can't put my finger on anything more detailed than that because I don't fucking have anything more detailed than that. But I just felt a sh like a shift, like subtle, not big, not noticeable. And the first thing I did in responding to that was to ask him if he needed space. Um, what's funny is uh, I needed space in those moments. But um, so, yeah, like in those moments, I was identifying my feelings as his feelings because I'm still in the process of working on, you know, feeling my feelings. Um, yeah. And so that can be a challenge for sure. But I think at the same time, one of the other observations that I've made is um, in dealing with more avoidant people is it seems more often than not that it, there's a certain level of discomfort that seems to come along when, when you seek connection and closeness. Um, and I... Yeah, like I, I know it sounds terrible, but it's not something that I've experienced a lot is 
when seeking closeness and connection with an emotionally unavailable man, what they have a propensity for doing is shutting down. You know, I hate putting it like that, but it's an honest observation that I've made in terms of behavior patterns of a variety of individuals that I've had involvements with since I got out on my own. And it's complicated because on one hand, I feel as though I should not um, shortchange myself in terms of having wants, needs, and desires. But then at the same time, there is a, there's a part of me that kind of carries a small piece of guilt because I am very observant. And due to these observations, I know that making those bids for connection is a sense of discomfort for this under for this other individual you know and when those circumstances arise like i don't think there's really a right or wrong answer in terms of what to do you know it's i i think at the end of the day what we need to do is find a healthy balance between being mindful of this other person's feelings while also seeking to have our own needs met at the same time, you know, um, approaching it with some form of empathy, you know, or awareness. And this is something that I'm obviously trying to develop, you know, um, Rome wasn't built in a day, but um, developing at least the awareness to be able to understand what it is that might be happening with that other individual based on, you know, patterns because behavior is the be all and you know what I mean behavior is the tell all of fucking everybody and um yeah like I know I have unhealthy patterns I'm painfully aware that I have unhealthy patterns and I think one of the reasons why I'm doing all of this readings I'm doing is to try to you know get to the root of that and really understand you know how to change my own behaviors and be empathetic to others who maybe are not so far in, you know, their developmental stages, for lack of a better term. So, yeah. Now, the second one is people lying to us to protect us. People tell us what they think we want to hear to avoid upsetting us. Of course, they are actually protecting themselves and hurting us in the process. Someone might say, I really enjoy your family when they do not. Now, this is another one that um, I'm not going to say I'm guilty of lying to protect people. But what I am guilty of is assuming that other people are lying to protect me or omitting to protect me you know um like i am very guilty of carrying that in the back of my head and i think at some point or another obviously i need to determine where the fuck does this stem from you know but um this is something that i'm dealing with a lot in all facets of interpersonal relationships there's only a small handful that I don't experience this with three to be exact where I don't have you know this underlying um questioning of somebody else's motives because I think they're being um 
I wouldn't say fake, but um, maybe there's a certain level of disingenuousness in communication or something to that effect because um, of fear of how I'm going to respond. Um, yeah, I don't know how to put that one any better. And um, like, I like to think that I'm not as reactive of a person, like emotionally reactive as a person as I used to be which is true and not true at the same time. Um, I used to be very angry, like a lot. Like I was really angry and that would be kind of where the outward expression would be is in anger. Um, now I, I think it's the outward expression of emotion. Like I don't think a lot of people even get to deal with it at this juncture because I'm so isolated and insulated from you know the world at large and the people that I you know communicate with. But um, I think now, if the message is being received the way it is intended to be sent, um, when I am reacting or responding to stimuli, uh, more often than not, it's coming from a place of hurt instead of like that rage. And so, um, like, it's really fascinating how almost foreign that is to me at this point, which is ironic because it used to be part of my everyday and so like even being able to identify this is anger and why am I angry um, is something that you know it's easy to identify this is anger because yeah but identifying what is the deeper um, feeling behind that anger and then trying to process that and you know, move forward from whatever that feeling is. At the same time, one of the things that I'm working on, which I don't know, I think that really depends on the recipient as to how well I'm doing. It's a matter of perception is, um, working on being able to communicate those feelings in a way that is received in a calm fashion, because more often than not anymore, when I am communicating feelings to a person, not just, you know what I mean, here, because sometimes I communicate, you know, raw shit here, but like when I'm communicating to a person, um, I am coming from a place of level-headedness and a sense of calm. Now, the thing that initiated that feeling may not have been a calm place, but by the time the communication is being put out there, I try my best to make that communication something that is very calm and very rational because I don't want it to be misconstrued. I don't want it to be received in a way that's not the message that's intended. And like, I like to select my words very carefully to say, exactly what I'm feeling or what I want to know or whatever the thing may be when it comes to communications. And I, I think for me, that's one of the reasons why I prefer written form communications compared to verbal, um, because the words don't come as easily when I'm verbalizing compared to when I'm writing and so I don't know where the blockage is 
but whatever. Um, maybe it's uh, in the immediacy, I guess, of it. I don't know. But at the same time, verbal communications at least carry inflection and tone. And that's something that I will say is sometimes missing in a lot of writing. And so that's where things can get lost in translation there. But so the next one they have is people doing for us what we should do for ourselves. Sometimes people will think for us, act for us, or make decisions for us when we should be doing those things for ourselves. The husband says, Karen can do that for you. No problem. Now, interestingly enough, um, I don't know in what way this is intended, but the way that I receive this is as like enabling and people-pleasing behavior. Um, and interestingly enough, that's something I, I know. Like, I know, no, 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 no. Like, I know from, you know, my second failed marriage, like, I am fucking guilty of that. Like, 100%, I am guilty of that. That was, like, one of the biggest contributing factors that I made to the failure of my marriage was um, basically being an enabler. Like, there are a plethora of circumstances that came up where, you know, it got to the point where I was just, like, catering to my ex, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis and building resentment. Um, and it just grew and it grew and it grew because, like, it felt to me like no matter, no matter how many times I verbalized my feelings and no matter how many times, like, I could, I could say it rationally, I could say it irrationally, like, it didn't matter. Like, the response that I received was still the same, regardless of the communication method I was using. And um, what I realize now is this stems from, like, this became an expectation in the very beginning, um, you know? And so that's how I took on what I refer to as the role of secretary, hooker, mother maid, is through enabling behavior because yes my ex was fully well capable of doing shit for himself however the expectation was that i would do it and a an unhealthy dynamic ensued from that experience so um one of the things that i'm learning from that or trying to learn from that is again how to better verbalize my own needs um and I think at the same time, too, uh, being able to select people that are receptive, you know, um, and picking up on these cues early on. Like, you know, when as soon as you realize that somebody is not receptive to you, then guess what? That's not your fucking target audience. Bye, bitch. Like, I know that sounds terrible, but at the end of the day, like, that's a realistic perspective. Um I mean, you can still care about that person, but maybe whatever role they have been given is not the role that they're supposed to fulfill in the long term in your life, unless you're supposed to learn something from that and you're a slow learner. Like, I mean, I clearly have no room to judge that. Um, I was with my ex for 15 years total, and I like to think that in that circumstance, yes, I was a slow learner. Um, there were a lot of different things that happened, but I, I did eventually learn a lot of things from that and my own shortcomings. And now I'm trying to learn how to identify them, um, how to communicate. Like, you know, there's a lot of different life skills that I feel like I'm learning now in retrospect 
And the irony is how much these life skills would have helped um, in that environment. And now that is, I'm, I'm not going to say it's a moot point because at the end of the day, I, I think I still do want some of those same things. Um, but healthy, you know, and I think that's the biggest takeaway is really understanding that my desires is, um, I would like to have a healthy, committed, long-term relationship. Healthy being, you know, the biggest emphasis, um, you know, um, yeah, I want circumstances where there can be like what's called parallel play which is basically like two people being alone in the same room together where you know what I mean like one person engages in one activity one person engages in another activity but they're in each other's company while being you know what I mean like they're together but completely separate at the same time so it's a really fascinating concept of connection and separation at the same time you know so there's still that sense of autonomy with the closeness um so yeah like this is a one just one example of something that i'm looking for um in that um circumstances where healthy communication exists where um i feel like it's okay to verbalize my concerns and you know have them responded to um genuinely and with kindness um you know a circumstance where i don't feel like i have to be disingenuous or like i don't have to hold back because i i know i do that sometimes and i think the reason why i do that sometimes is because if i don't have a kind set of words to get my point across then I will refrain sometimes from getting the point across and trying to communicate that because um, I do care about other people's feelings and sometimes I can sh say things in a really harsh manner and yeah I'm trying to be better about that as well but again there's balance to be had in all things um, so, yeah, that's just part of the dynamic. Now, there are three more bullet points to go over from this. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off and start a new episode to go over the three remaining bullet points because I think there's valuable takeaways in each of these things, obviously to the point where I feel like discussing them, um, connecting how this speaks to me and then sharing that with anybody that's here listening. So in the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned for the next one. And as always, be well.